welcome to Fishing Without Bait, a lifetime without definitive expectations. It's when we place unrealistic expectations on ourselves or try to live up to unrealistic expectations of others that we end up with a mind of uncertainty and fear. Also, what we ask is that you participate in our concept of full impact mindfulness, where we respond to situations rather react to them. We help people develop an open mind, and all we require is the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try. And welcome aboard, as always. Uh, on the control board is uh, my good friend, co-host, and producer of this program, Mr. Mike. And today we're graced with again with the presence of Miss Joanna Lowe. Hi, everyone. If you remember the last podcast that we had with Joanna, we were going to speak about relationships. So, Joanna, quite often when I deal with individuals, I deal with individuals who feel awkward, feel less than, feel left out, feel out of the group. And particularly, that it can be any age, but the age that I'm particularly interested in and the one that I think that you're acquainted with would be the adolescent, mm-hmm. teenage, early adult years. Yeah, um, certainly. And that can be one of the most, one of the most painful and delicate areas of life because everything feels as big as life or death. Everything feels, I remember obsessing over, well, if I choose the wrong shirt or believing if I chose the wrong shirt to wear in a day, I would somehow not meet the man that I was supposed to marry. Saying it out loud sounds absolutely ridiculous, but things felt that important oh no, what if, and this was a legitimate thing, so feel free and laugh. If I discovered that I had missed a patch on my leg when I was shaving, I thought that would make the difference in my entire future going forward. It just feels that delicate. And I, and I don't know where exactly that comes from, but I remember living that f- fragilely, um, through high school. And it isn't until you, I, I saw the transition from high school to college where the weird ones were popular in, in college when it was the weird ones being their true self that actually had the lasting friendships. And it was the, it was the perfect boring people that fell away and, and it was imperfect and that was okay. And the world wouldn't end if I chose a different shirt that day or if I, I mean, and I really did. I thought the world revolved around, around what I chose to wear. Where? And particularly when we're, when we're that age, our own self-concept and self-esteem generally are from what others' perceptions are of us or what we perceive others' perceptions are of us. And one thing I'd like to really impress upon maybe the adults out there or the parents is that simply because a person is 15, 16, 17, or that particular age, that doesn't mean that their feelings and thoughts aren't just as precious and special as anyone so-called mature. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, my daughter is 11 now and she's got these huge feelings, these enormous feelings. And I try to make sure that I 
validate them, that I recognize, and that I recognize how big they feel. Even if I end up telling her, I know this feels like the end of the world. I know this feels really important. But even if what you think the worst thing is, is will happen, it's not the end of the world. This it, And so I try to bring her down to, but I, I also recognize like, but that was scary and that was painful and that was embarrassing. I understand you will be okay though. This is not the end of the world, but it feels like it. At the time, it does feel yeah. like the end of the world. And I think you touched on something that's so important, and that's to validate someone's feelings. Don't we, don't we all want to be heard? I, I mean, I am um, my my father, who is, of course, at the the other end of of the life life cycle. You know, from my daughter, even even he, I found a way to. Uh, if, if we're sitting and chatting and I just leave a little bit of silence, he will tell me either what is on his mind or that he's ready to be done talking. And it's this, it's this pattern where I, I think that he has, he's got a, he's got a, a churning mind like myself. It never shuts off. It, it It's always there. And so by giving him a window, he will always fill it with the things that are going on in the back of his mind, the, his, his life regrets or things that he's thinking about as he, as memories of his grandparents and things that he's been you know, worrying over. And, and when we sit and I'll just leave a little silence and, and without fail, he will, I was thinking about X and then we'll talk about these things that are so important to him. And his grandparents have been gone for however many mm-hmm. decades and decades, but these are things that are important to him in the in the odd hours of the day. Or he will absolutely let me know. Ah, oh, well, all right, I'm going to go cook dinner now. Okay, well, it was good to see you. Time to go. And and that's a another form of validation, giving somebody that space to go. I'm I'm listening. Most of us use too many invalidating statements. They, we tend to turn it about ourselves. If a young person or what type of person would come up to you and talk to you about some type of heartache, sometimes a person responds is, oh, I remembered when that happened to me. Or they play, can you top this? Yeah. And, oh, and that's, that's such a fine line. And, and I, um, I don't always, I don't think I always write it well, but I at least try to be conscious to get it back. The, the, the team, the, the team building with, I experienced something like this. This is how I felt. So I can understand if you felt that that is very different than, oh, I know totally what you're saying. There's a big difference between I can understand and I understand because nobody except the person going through it no actually one. understands. I think one of the most insulting things that a person can say to another, and it's unintentional, is once I understand how you feel. That's impossible. Too often we discount young people's thoughts yeah. and feelings because 
because of uh, of their age. Or we say to them, well, how do you think that makes me feel when you sit in your room? How do you think it makes me feel when you're like that? Or, oh, Joanna, you're so dramatic. Joanna, you always get yourself into these situations. Your sister seems to handle this so much better than you do. Mm-hmm. I have... A, a lifetime of, of being, of being patted on the head. Oh, Joanna. Oh, yeah, yes. I, so I, I have a very, very close relationship with that invalidated being treated like a child type of type of response to my personality. And simply by validating someone's feelings, it doesn't mean that you agree with them. Right. Exactly. I, you know, my daughter might think that a stain on her skirt that she wants to wear that day ruins her day, makes the entire day. Well, I know you're disappointed. I know you are upset. I know this was important to you today, but it's all right. There are other skirts and like have your reaction and now understand that this does not dictate or you shouldn't allow it to dictate your feelings for the entire day and let's let's house these feelings in an appropriate reaction not this huge escalation and but by acknowledging you're disappointed you're angry i didn't get to it or this this was important to, okay by acknowledging here you don't have to make it the end of the world we have a tendency, and I include myself in this. We always try to fix things, uh, particularly when it's a particularly when it's a it's a loved one. Uh, you want to make things right. Well, the individual needs to be heard and validated how they feel. And Joanna, sometimes the only thing that can relieve pain is the passage of time. Yeah, that's one of the most painful lessons I have. I have a, a friend who is struggling with a very painful reconstruction and recovery from cancer, not just the the time and the fear and the pain, but also physical disfigurement and and what her life is going to and when I when I visited her, I was devastated because I couldn't do anything. I mean, I, we sat together and held hands and cried together, but I, I was like, I can't talk about the good things in my life because look at what she's going through. And I don't want that to be insulting. And I can't talk about my stresses because holy crap, look at what she's going through. And and I felt like everything I do, I, I did that I talked about was not valid or important. I, I wanted to be able to help her. And the the concept that I got was, but you sat with her, you gave her your time. Just because she's going through this doesn't mean she doesn't love you and maybe she doesn't want to talk about her cancer and so you gave her some other things but I was like I need to do something to change and I couldn't change anything I was absolutely helpless and it was horrible but I uh, a true friend shares in your sorrow and shares in your joy and quite often what a real friend does is sit with you through the pain yeah So when we 
sit with people, when we're with them in these relationships. Quite often, Joanna, here's my experience and my observations that in relationships, people tend to focus on a particular group or a particular person. And if maybe they're not quite able to ingratiate themselves or fit into that group, or maybe if that person really doesn't care for them, then they take the view, the generalization, that no one likes them. All or nothing. How many times has uh, your daughter come home from school and says, no one likes me? Oh, so many. Or because there is one bully or one group of bully that... But she was angry when the bullies became friends with somebody else. They're growing in numbers, mama. And I'm like, oh, it's these aren't stormtroopers. These are other people. And I try to let her know where if somebody acts so unhappy all the time, chances are they are not a happy person and to have grace there. Doesn't make their actions or their attitudes appropriate, but to have grace there. But yes, the idea that that one person treating her badly means that everybody or that her being accepted is so, so tenuous. And now she's adopted this, well, we call ourselves, she and her best friend call themselves the losers. Mm. I'm like, baby. And she's like, no, but we named ourselves that and we wow. own that. So that's, uh, and I, I, and I get that owning themselves as outcasts helps them feel confident, at least in that role. If they've chosen it, then it's within their control and they, they can insult themselves. So somebody else doesn't do it first. I, and as, as far as putting that toward relationships, there is a, a very simple concept that almost nobody holds to is with relationships, you're right, we tend to focus on them and go, but why don't they, if I could convince them to like me and, 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 and you do, you fixate on this person for whatever reason, for hormones or evolution or biology, whatever it is that makes this one person the, the apex of, of our validation. If this person could like me, but I want to inverse it and go, why would you ever love somebody, pursue somebody, invest in somebody who doesn't invest in you? Why would you pursue somebody who cannot see your value? Why would you chase after somebody? Okay, let's say you get that person. Do you want to be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't love you as much as you love them? The answer is no, but nobody knows that and accepts that ahead of time. And when you're stuck in that mindset and those deep emotions, those words mean little or nothing. Uh, we have the best of intentions. Yeah. Um, however, what I try to explain to people is that there's templates. The world has templates of what a wife should be, what a husband should be, what a boyfriend should be, what a girlfriend should be, what a family should be, what a brother should be, what a sister should be. And if we don't exactly fit into somebody's template, then they think that something's wrong. Let's say that I thought 
course, this is fishing without bait, but let's say let's fishing was the most wonderful thing in the universe. I thought it was. And everybody that came to me with depression, I tried to convince them to go fishing because that would help them. Maybe they didn't like fishing. Maybe they don't like fish. Maybe they don't like worms. Maybe they don't like that at all. But I'm trying to impose my template on other people. Okay, or we try to mold ourselves, be a chameleon, uh, and get into other people's templates. I this template. What I help people understand is being a few standard deviations away from what is the norm makes you who you are and makes you unique. Makes you unique. And and again, you and I have talked about this before. Quite often, one of the best things that I've found to develop self-concept and self-esteem is to make a list of requirements, not what I have to offer, but what are the requirements it takes to be with me. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutfaith.com where you can listen to the show comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.